The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. The buzz is right now. I mean instant. I mean wow. Let's get started. If true real-time access to information is what it takes for your finance organization to be effective... They should really be leveraging something called in-memory technology. Why? They need it for day-to-day processes. They need it for period-end processes and everything they do. Why, you ask? Well, there are several benefits. First of all, instant insight will come to them. It will help them improve financial performance reporting, which is what your organization needs. And maybe more important, it will help them predict the financial outcome of business decisions. The bottom line is the goal everybody's talking about. Your finance team can be repositioned as a true strategic partner to the business, not just the people in the basement with the green lamps and the eye shades. It's time. So if that's what your goal is, is your organization ready for this kind of change? I have a panel of experts who will help us figure it out and help you decide if you're ready, how shall you go about getting there? So the experts speak first up as a newcomer to S. SAP Game Changers Radio. It's Selena Rogers. She's Vice President and Editorial Director for CFO Publishing. How appropriate. And Selena sent me a quote from Peter Drucker. And just as a reference point, it's from Be Data Literate, Know What to Know. It's all the way back from a December 3rd, 1992 article in the Wall Street Journal. And here's the quote. Computer people still are concerned with greater speed and bigger memories. But The challenges increasingly will be not technical, but to convert data into usable information that is actually being used. What a revolutionary concept. Selena Rogers, thanks for the quote. How are you today? Very well. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's it's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, It's such a great quote from Peter Drucker back from 1992. It is extraordinary to think that he was thinking in those terms back then and that we are still thinking in these terms right now. So tell me, what is it that's going to take to make information into something that's useful? Isn't that the big challenge? Isn't that what everybody's talking about with big data? It's coming in by the reams, by the droves, by the avalanches, by the earthquake full. It's flowing down the mountain. But how do you find those nuggets? How do you find what you really need? So are we any closer? 1992 was how many years away? 8 and 14, 22 years ago. Are we any closer, Selena? Well, that's a really great point, and I think you've hit on the real crux of that quote for me and for our audience at CFO Magazine. Um, that is turning data into information that's actually being used, and that's where we see this 
key role for the finance function to really get us closer to that point. You know, I do think to your to your question, Bonnie, that we are getting closer, but there's still a ways to go in part because technology creates this moving target for us, as does the ever greater complexity of doing business. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Good intro to our topic, Selena. Glad to have you on board and welcome. Let's turn to our second panelist. He's a return guest. I wonder why, because he's smart and he's good and he brings us great information. It's John Steele, a principal with Deloitte Consulting LLP, and he leads the U.S. SAP Finance Transformation Practice. And John sent me four little tiny words that pack a wallop. The future is now. Is that a John Steele original? Hi, John. That's, that's John Steele probably having heard that a few times, but understanding that it's actually true, at least as it pertains to the topic that we're going to discuss today. So much like the, I think it's really a shortened version of the Drucker quote, but the, the changes mm-hmm. in technology continue to increase and the capabilities increase along with those changes. And I think we're finally at a point where finance transformation can take advantage of all the different technologies at hand to achieve a lot of the objectives that it has. John, doesn't this put a lot of pressure, a a simple quote like the future is now, doesn't this put a lot of pressure on a finance team that's typically tasked with traditional get the reports done, go to the next monthly cycle, go to the day-to-day, give people what they want, just keep pumping out those reports. If you say the future is now, that sounds to me like you're, you're asking them, you're forcing them to have a future view to say, wait a minute, we don't have all the time in the world. It's happening faster and faster. You might miss that boat. What do you think? I think that's right. One of the main observations that I've had over the past two to three years is in-memory technology has really started to gain uh, maturity is that the capabilities of the finance organization are going to have to evolve significantly. So again, I think the Drucker quote was pretty sage in, in predicting that. Uh, the finance function needs to evolve from the green you know, shades in the basement mm-hmm. type of environment into an environment where finance is truly analytical and a, and a catalyst that helps drive the business forward. So in-memory technology lets you change your focus from making sure the transactions happen to actually analyzing what happened and better yet, Mm -hmm. predicting what's going to happen next. So that's not the same old debits and credits that we've had for a long time. So there'll be a a big shift in my view of, of where it's going. And John, is this scary or is this exciting or a little bit of both for the finance organization that's just been plugging along? What do you think? It, it's definitely both. So there's there's always been a mix uh, in finance organizations of people that are risk takers and those that are, that are more conservative. So it is scary because things will have to change. You know, business as usual and the, running your finance organization the way that it's always been run will, will no longer work. Uh, but it is a huge opportunity at the same time. So there, I've dealt with thousands of finance professionals over the years. And one thing that finance uh, professionals are always looking for is to be relevant. So nothing makes you more relevant than, than helping drive innovation that's supported by this latest technology. 
I think we need to send that out as an e-blast to everybody who's sitting there saying, well, I'm just here doing my job. Thank you very much, John. Good intro, and I'm glad you referenced back to Selena's wonderful quote from Peter Drucker. Looks like we might be referencing that a lot. And last but, of course, not least, it's Birgit Starmans, another return guest on the show. She's a senior director in marketing at SAP for Finance Solutions, and we have a quote from Malcolm Gladwell. And the quote is from his book, Blink! The Power of Thinking Without Thinking. I love that title. And here's the quote. The key to good decision-making is not knowledge. It is understanding. We are swimming in the former. We are desperately lacking in the latter. Sounds like a poem. Birgit, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're always happy to have you on the show. You're a very, very popular panelist. So tell me why you picked this Gladwell quote from Blink and how it applies to what Selena and John have already talked about. Well, I, I think without even discussing it beforehand, Selena, John, and I are, are picking up on the same thing. There's a lot of information that's out there, but it, the, the difficult part is making sense of that information, trying to organize it. So a lot of people have been looking at some of these technologies. For example, predictive is saying, well, I want the system to tell me what to do. The system can certainly make suggestions, and the more information that we have to feed that system, the better. And having real-time in-memory information available certainly gives us access to more information. But at the end of the day, it's really a tool for finance to be able to make some decisions. Um, to the point of the, of the book Blink is that sometimes you kind of get a gut feel based on the data and you can't quite put your finger on it. So while systems can certainly help us by providing us more input, and the more information that we have, the better decision making we can do. But at the same time, some, there still has to be some human intervention, which I think is important for finance. We're not trying to get a system to replace their function because sometimes based on their mm-hmm. experience, oh, I've seen this pattern before in the past. Oh, yeah, some, that triggers something in their mind. So being able to provide finance with that information in real time and as much information as possible but or, and organizing it to make it to allow it to make sense. But ultimately, it's still going to be a person making that decision. I think for a lot of these strategic decisions, especially when it comes to predictive types of scenarios, we're not really going to... S- see finance say, well, the system is just going to make that decision for me. But it provides finance with better information to allow them to make better decisions. But ultimately, it's still going to be a finance person making that decision. Birgit, I can hear a collective sigh of relief from the listener saying, wow, she just saved our jobs. And that brings me back to the question I asked John Steele a couple of moments ago. Will finance, with, with what we're talking about today, will finance be scared? Will they be welcoming? Will they be excited about this new technology that's going to make things go, wow, right now, instant, what we're calling it? Is, is this a good thing for them from their POV? I think it's a very good thing for them because I think – even from finance, even though we know they love their their, their spreadsheets, um, ultimately <laughs> collecting information, just generating reports, I think there's always been a frustration factor on finance that you know, there are these 10 scenarios that I can evaluate, but I just don't have the capacity to evaluate all of them, and I don't really feel like I have the information I need to make that decision. So the whole idea of providing more information, organizing it, um, you know, providing some of the patterns that might be taking place. 
I think that's going to be very good. And it allows finance to do more interesting things. Um, it's going to help their companies, definitely, because, but it's also going to make, it, make their lives more interesting instead of just copying things from one spreadsheet to another. But they can actually get in there and do some modeling and what-ifs and, and literally start, quote-unquote, playing around with different scenarios. So I would definitely see that they would be more excited and they can actually evaluate more different and, and different types of scenarios before they make a decision. Dare we say it might add some fun to the job? Oh, be still my heart. <laughs> thank it's you, thank you, Birgit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, what a thought. I'm going to circle back now. I have a very tough question for my three panelists. You all know it's coming. It's what's in your cup today because Financial Excellence with Game Changers is part of our umbrella show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. So, Selena Rogers, what are you drinking? Tell me something interesting or what do you wish you were drinking or where are you going after the show? What will you be drinking there? Talk to me. Well, in fact, what is in my cup during this coffee break is a cup of Costa Rican dark roast from the Barrington Coffee Roasting Company right around the corner from our offices in Boston. So if you or any of your listeners are in town, I highly recommend it. I will see you there. The best cafe latte east of the Mississippi. Oh, well, that's a plug. I love it. Oh, oh, so it's latte. Okay, so no no sweetener. It's just uh, straight coffee and the, the um, steamed milk and the foam. Right up. That's the way real women take their coffee. I'm sorry if that sounded whatever, but I had to say it. I'm, I'm with you. Thank you for the invitation. John Steele, what drinkest thou today? Well, I am in New York today, and there's actually a relatively cool breeze blowing. Yes, so I yes. went across the street and grabbed myself a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Just a regular coffee with a little cream and sugar, and I am enjoying it quite a bit. I'm glad. I hear they still have one of the best, most reliable cups of coffee on earth, or at least in New York. And by the way, I'm on Long Island. It's about 70-something degrees, one of the coolest days we've had in a long time. I think the tennis players who just wrapped up the U.S. Open are thinking, why couldn't we have had this weather for the past three days? I'm glad you're enjoying your Dunkin' Donuts coffee, John Steele. Thank you. Birgit Starmans, where are you calling from? I am calling from Mountain View, home of Google. Now, now people Ed. at least know where, where Mountain View is ever since we've had Google. <laughs> I, I, I used to have to just tell people I'm a little bit south of San Francisco. Now you have a, a different kind of a, a name for the home. So what are you drinking today, Birgit? Well, normally I drink coffee, but I'm out of half and half because I never take coffee with that half and half. So I'm actually on tea today, and I've got actually a couple different tea flavors lined up. I've gotten into the Starbucks Tazo tea series. Ah. So you start with awake and the passion, and then there are different kinds of berries. So I've, I've actually got like three or four uh, glasses of tea lined up here. Well, very interesting. Have, have fun with your tea tasting. Are we all invited for tea and scones later in the day? I think oh, we can all manage. Just come on out to California. I love it, John and Celine, and I'll be on the next planes. Thank you very much. Guess what? Our topic today, if you haven't guessed, is the impact of instant processes and insight on finance. Is your finance team ready? Is your organization ready? Do you know where to go and what to do? My panel is comprised of Selena Rogers, the Vice President and Editorial Director for CFO Publishing, John Steele, Principal with Deloitte Consulting, LLP, and Birgit Starmans, Senior Director in Marketing at SAP for Finance Solutions. And guess what? I'm 
still Bonnie D. Graham. So happy to welcome you, by the way. If you're counting, this is Season 3, Episode number 9 in our series called Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. We're live. It's Tuesday, September 9th. Woohoo! And we're going to go out and take a break. My panel's ready to have a sip of whatever's on the table in front of them. When we come back, it'll be a 30-minute roundtable nonstop. We'll kick it off with some words of wisdom from Selena Rogers at CFO. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Mike out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Welcome back. Our topic today, topic of the moment, is the impact of instant processes and insight on finance. And if you're clueless, we're talking about new technologies, innovations such as in-memory technology. Is your finance team ready? Are you ready? Are you engaging? Are you getting the tools and training people? Well, we have a panel of experts to help you figure out how to get from point A to point Z or B or wherever you want to go. Let's kick off our 30-minute roundtable conversation with Selena Rogers from CFO. Selena, you told me before the show that for three decades, that's a long time, CFO Magazine has been documenting the evolution of the finance function and finance professionals from what we know as the stewards of company data and historical reporting and compliance over to the side of becoming strategic business partners and valued advisors. Has that evolution taken three decades or did it start quickly and go slowly or where in the process is it? Talk to us, Selena Rogers, please. Oh, that evolution is certainly ongoing and it has been our privilege at CFO Magazine to document that and to be in touch with the finance community as they've gone through that process and continue to go through that process. Um, in terms of the sort of fits and starts that that, that process has, uh, of evolution has been under, I think that, you know, certainly when we look back um, with that 2020 hindsight that we have to see where we think the key moments in that evolution have really taken place, I mean, certainly the extraordinarily uh, technological advances that we've seen in storage and in processing power. We're here today to talk about another leap forward there. That has been Mm -hmm. a real driving force, along with, 
you know, some of the regulatory and compliance pressures that kicked in um, around the sort of turn of the millennium with those millennial accounting scandals. The Y2K sort of bug hit at the same time, and the really heavy investment in technology and a lot of thought into finance processes and how companies could get some real value from those investments. That was another big force and impetus as well. Um, so sort of bringing that all together, I think a lot of finance functions really took advantage of that combination of technological advance together with this sort of pressure to respond to outside regulatory and reporting requirements and thought about how to um, parlay that, how to turn that into a position where they could be stronger business partners and Mm -hmm. help to support stronger, more rigorous, um, information-based decision-making across their organization. So how does the CFO and the C-suite, how does he or she convey to their people, hey, you're not just sitting here to be spreadsheet readers and pencil pushers and eyeshade wearers. We need a bigger role for you. We need you to have something more important. We need your eye on the prize of being that business partner and advisor. How do they convey that to the organization? And they simply say, here are the tools. We're going to teach you how to use them and damn it, start using them. How how does that process evolve? Do you see, Selena? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that it is much more than handing people the tools and saying, you know, good luck, make the best use of these that you can. Mm -hmm. That process of organizational transformation and change is really a leadership um, test for many CFOs. And many CFOs are thinking about how they can bring their organizations forward in this particular way. And I think one of the things that we hear from CFOs is that it's really about modeling those sorts of behaviors. It's about asking the right questions. It's Mm -hmm. about sort of showing, not just telling organizations how they can begin to evolve and adapt in these desired ways. Thank you very much. John Steele, chime in. What do you observe? Uh, I see a lot of the the same trends happening, Bonnie, but probably, I mean, for me, I have been working in finance since about 1992 at the the time Drucker made that quote. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, again, it goes back to the expansion of capabilities. So back in 1992, you know, all we could do is model things and if you can even remember back this far, Lotus 123 or even Mm -hmm. the beginning of Microsoft Excel. So we, we take Excel so for granted today, but... Uh, it was just new back in 1992, and we've gone all the way from there to the point where we've got terabytes and terabytes sitting at our fingertips with the in-memory solutions. So it's it's that evolution is what is what is making everything uh, possible. And thank you, and Birgit Starman's thoughts. I, I think the big picture view is key here. Um, and actually, back in my consulting days, a lot of times everybody spent a lot of time on the, well, here's like the individual journal entry that got posted in a system back in 1990. But I think now we've got the capability to look at a more big picture view of the world. So what are the financial implications of some of the things that are going on in operations and sales and marketing and how does that impact the bottom line? That's something that was just not possible before. So in some cases, yes, that does mean that they're 
there needs to be additional training to the folks that used to just be, as, as you put it, pencil pushers. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, getting that big picture view, all of a sudden it's not just this journal entry that you're looking at, but you're actually seeing where it's coming from and what are the business processes outside of finance that are impacting that bottom line. And I think that's a different mind shift just to look at that big picture view and bringing it all together because ultimately it comes together in finance. Somebody in operations can say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and manufacture more stuff. Well, if it's just going to be sitting in a warehouse, that actually costs more money to store it. Mm-hmm. And somebody might be saying, well, I can sell a lot of stuff, but if you don't have the cap- capacity to produce it, then customers are going to be very frustrated, and that also has an impact on the bottom line. So really bringing together that whole finance and operational aspect, I think, is, is key, and, and memory allows us to do that, because now we're not looking at silos of information, but we can actually take information from all of these different sources and bring it together. Sounds good. And I want to add something from uh, Selena Rogers' notes. Selena, you mentioned that there were some recent research findings from a CFO CFO research study, which is a research affiliate of CFO Magazine, and the study was re- underwritten by SAP. I want to read one of your findings, which will go to what we're talking about. You say, senior finance executives at large companies around the world are eager to transition their teams from focusing on transitional activities, transactional activities, to engaging in high-value analysis and decision support. And then there were a couple of statistics after that. You want to share those with us, Selena? Absolutely. And, oh, isn't that not the aspiration of so many finance teams to move mm-hmm. from transactional activities to higher-value activities? Um, we found in that research study that a really overwhelming majority of finance executives, more than 80%, recognize that changing business needs, this, these are needs that are coming from outside their organization, these are the pressures of the market, the pressure to compete, the pressure that they're feeling internally from their business constituents and, and other stakeholders in operations and in sales, all of these are going to pressure the finance function to make greater use of big data analytics over the next two years. But at the same time, nearly half of all our respondents, 48% of them, say they really need to understand big data better. Only 19% are willing to say they understand big data and its implications for finance and the organization in depth. And, you know, for us, that's really a huge gap. And when we have taken this to um, conference sessions um, and pose a similar question, how well does you, do you see finance professionals out in the audience, your CFO understanding the implications of big data for finance? Um, you know, numbers are pretty, pretty low there in terms of people being able to confirm that their own CFOs have a really clear sense of what big data might mean for them as finance organizations. Um, so those mm-hmm. are some of our findings, and um, I, I, I think that they are really sort of underpinning and underlying a lot of the sentiment that we see out in the market. Thank you, Selena. John Steele or Birgis Diamonds, anybody want to comment on what Selena just shared from the research? I, I, I think it is backed up by everything that I'm seeing in all of my interactions with, with my clients. and. I, again, I think this should go back to the heart of the fact that the the role of, of finance is changing. Like uh, at Deloitte, we, we look at the four faces of the CFO. It's a framework that we brought out back in 2006, but it's still holding pretty true today. Is that, you know, there's that role of the catalyst that I talked about a little bit earlier where the finance organization is expected to increasingly drive more value in the organization. If you look Typically, CEOs put two pressure points on their CFOs. One is, you know, the the normal sort of role of the CFO of 
cost containment and running things efficiently. But the second is the, the finance uh, function providing that insight. And it's important to understand that that's part of the ongoing mission. And again, the impact that that's going to have on the whole talent model for the finance organization. Great point. Birgit, you want to chime in? Because I'm going to go in a slightly different direction, but I want your thoughts first. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's it's not just about the transactional aspect. It's more about the analytics aspect and what are you going to do with that information, which I think goes back to the quotes that all three of us used uh, mm-hmm. in terms of making finance more strategic. Um, it's It's been said, and I've, I've heard this, that finance already considers themselves strategic, but they think they want to get their fingers more into the day-to-day, not just after the fact. So really being there to guide the strategy of a company. So I would completely support um, what both Celine and John have been saying. Thank you, Birgit. I'm going to turn to some notes from John Steele. He sent me before the show, and there's a very interesting point here I'd like to take up. John, you said the in-memory revolution for finance is not just about speed. It's about capabilities, being able to do things you couldn't do before, see things that were hidden in layers of aggregation. I'd like you to talk to us about that and also bring in the concept of, if this relates appropriately, to the event-driven enterprise. John Steele? Yeah, absolutely, Bonnie. So, you know, what what I'm trying to encapsulate there is, again, we've, we've had 1992 as, a, as an anchor year in our conversation. Mm-hmm. Back in 1992, uh, ERP systems were really, the, the modern ERP systems were at their, their dawn. And companies were able to connect together their business processes in ways that they had never been able to before, like linking, uh, you know, manufacturing, production planning, logistics execution with finance. However, because of the, the limitations of the, the operating systems, the, the computers that they ran on, those programs typically would run slowly. So one of the ways to work around that is to create aggregations. So every time something would happen, you would sort of add it up in a running total to make sure that you had that total correct at the end of the month. Then when we went into the, into the mid-90s and late-90s and we started the, the whole concept around business intelligence and the use of tools like BW, those aggregates were extracted and further aggregated in the data warehouse, and, and often that process would take quite a bit of time. Well, when you start putting the transactional system into an in-memory product, those aggregations and that need for that kind of uh, BW setup disappears. So while the in-memory solution is faster, you definitely can process transactions faster and more effectively. The real value comes from unlocking the information because your your end-user community, your finance community, is no longer segregated from that information. And the ability to report from that information uh, directly is an incredible asset. So we, we've seen examples using in memory where uh, month end close processes have been cut down by 35, 40, 50%. And the <clears throat> additional time was used to basically go back and do analytics. And it's, it's truly, truly a revolution. Thank you, John. Birgit, thoughts? I completely agree, especially when it comes to the aggregates. It's a, uh, Back in my consulting days, companies used to download things to make sure that tables actually matched and just think of what they can do 
if they didn't have to spend time doing that. So by being able to use the same information for both the transactional and analytics, for both the actual and the planning, um, that really gives them greater freedom, and you're not waiting around for things to move from one system to the other before they can take action. They can do it immediately. So the second that a big transaction comes in, whether it's a big sale with revenue, whether it's a big dispute where you're going to, going to get less revenue because a customer has a problem with something, um, you can see that right away. So that enables both finance as well as the operational parts of the business to take action on that immediately instead of having to wait for a customer to contact you and why haven't you processed this yet. And it all goes back to also the the face to the outside world. For example, customer satisfaction, vendor satisfaction. So by being able to Mm -hmm. process these things faster, you're actually also influencing how external parties see the entire company. And I think that's a huge benefit. Thank you, Birgit. Selena Rogers, I know you have something to add to this. Thoughts? You know, I absolutely endorse everything that my fellow panelists have said so far. I think that it is absolutely true that these technologies have the potential to cut something like month and close down 30, 40, 50%, as John said. Um, what is interesting to us at CFO, certainly that is of interest to us and to our audience. But what is interesting to us is that next step. Um, As John points out, you can devote that additional time to higher value analysis. And I think for us, we're really thinking now about filling in that piece of the narrative. How do finance teams actually make that transition? And from our point of view, um, in some ways, assuring that that time, that resource, and that effort is reinvested in these high value activities is really where CFOs can start to show real leadership. It is not necessarily a given that, that those resources will be reallocated to this kind of activity. It's up to finance leaders to make the case for finance and for the finance function to pursue this type of activity and to show the benefit of it um, to their colleagues across the business. Thank you, Selena. Very well put. John, any thoughts on what Selena added? No, I think she covered it pretty well. Okay. Birgit, let's talk about some of the notes you sent me before the show, some interesting points here. We haven't talked about the fact that in our daily lives, we get everything now. We have got how many screens are we carrying and how many devices are we carrying and how connected are we. We're we're used to everything instant. It's right here when we need it. And business people are human beings. They're consumers. They've got it in the so-called real world, and they want it at work. How much of a driver is this, Birgit, beyond what we've been talking about in terms of finance needing to become a more valued strategic partner to the business? How, Where is this extra push, or is it really not needed to talk about the fact that people are people and we want it now at work, at home, wherever we are? What are your thoughts? I, th- I think psychologically a lot of people separate what they do in their personal lives versus at work, but I also feel that because they're interacting with these technologies, and you said multiple devices, I'm, I'm a prime case, right? A work iPad, mm-hmm. a personal iPad, a work phone, a personal iPhone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, don't follow me through an airport. Just, it's not good. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, they are used to getting things now. So I use a GPS all the time, even if I know where I'm going, because it knows traffic. So if it knows that there's an accident, it'll route me around. So those are the kinds of suggestions that I feel that finance people at being human beings, as you said, 
they want that kind of information. So why is the work environment going to be so different versus what your mm-hmm. personal life allows you to do? And I think there's more of a comfort factor where it used to be that when we didn't have these devices at home, and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, you know, is this really possible? Is this really doable? Now we've seen in our personal lives it is possible, and there's a lot of technology out there. So I think companies need to embrace that more. And allow those finance folks to get that information right away. I mean, there should be no reason that I have to wait two or three days for something to get replicated over into a business warehouse so that I can report on it. And having that need to answer questions right away. If you're sitting in a boardroom as a finance executive, you get asked a question, there's almost an expectation now that you have that answer right away. So being able Mm -hmm. to access that information, including on a mobile device or on a computer, whatever, being able to answer that right away instead of a week after the board meeting coming back with that information. By that time, the decision's already been made with or without the data. So being able to do that more intelligently, I think there's more of that expectation. The other aspect of that is that there are, there's a younger generation coming into the workforce, and they have mm-hmm. grown up with this. I didn't They're start here. using a typewriter until, <laughs> I think, senior year in high school. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> kids right now, they're playing with these devices, so I think there's a lot more comfort level, and as those folks start entering the workforce, there's really a shift in that expectation, whereas you know, you're not trying to teach somebody okay, this is how you use it, and don't worry, it's safe, but there's more of that expectation and there's more of that comfort level as you get, uh, I don't want to say kids, but young adults graduating from college, and they're used to having that kind of information. So when they get to some of those companies, there's almost an expectation of having that available to them. Mm-hmm. Part of what we were referring to in one of my opening questions was, is there an excitement on the part of finance about moving into this realm of instant access, instant information? Birgit, I want to take it one step further, and then, of course, we'll ask Selena Rogers and John Steele to jump into this. Uh, you, you said also in your notes, the quintessential question is, how close to real time is required? How much of an increase in speed is needed to make an impact for business? In other words, if a report used to run 20 minutes and now it runs 14 minutes, does does anybody really care? But if a report used to take three days or a week and it's now running in 10 minutes, that's an OMG moment. So is that what In Memory is going to bring to the finance organization, that kind of wow factor in terms of delivery of information, Birgit? Most definitely. And finance is still finance, so they're going to balance of how much faster is it and what value can I get from it being Mm -hmm. faster versus the investment that they might have to make. Um, At the same time, if it's going to save them a significant amount of time or it's going to allow them to make significantly better and more informed decisions, I think that's key. Yeah, going from 20 minutes to 14 minutes, it's kind of like I'm going to miss my coffee break now. But (laughs) if all of a sudden you were normally running reports overnight um, and then you find an issue and then you have to run another report overnight to see if it's been fixed. At that point, you're saving yourself days, not just minutes. And then you've got the extra time to actually do that analysis and to go back to that quote to, you know, analyze all this information and check with your gut to see, do I understand what the links are between these types of information and be able to make those decisions? So there's definitely that wow factor. And it really goes back to what can I do with that extra time that I have right now? Six minutes, you might not be able to do much with, but hours and days, you can definitely do a lot with. And memory is definitely going to help with, with being able to provide that. 
Thank you. Selena Rogers, what's your observation from the point of view and the platform of CFO publishing, CFO research in terms of the, the wow? Is it is it convincing finance orgs that really didn't plan on this transformation that are just seeing it and, and seeing that perhaps competitors are doing it, seeing that it's in the press? What's the impact? Well, I think that, as, as Birgit points out, to some degree the impact will be seen in cutting hours and days off of some of these reporting processes, um, which then frees up that time in theory um, to devote to this higher value analysis. I would take it actually even one step further than that Mm -hmm. and say that where we're going to start to see some real wow factor is when some of these processes through the power of in-memory processing start to mirror some of the decision-making practices and habits that people are used to getting into in their daily lives. And I think that for finance executives looking to support the business, really key to recognizing value for them are the demands that they're going to be hearing from decision-makers in sales and in operations, all of whom are working quite hard to build teams and to hire and develop people who can make these very effective decisions very quickly and very fluidly. And you know, this kind of super rapid reporting, the ability to think of one query, get an answer more or less instantaneously, and then allow that to build on another query, another question, another set of decision-making sort of parameters to explore. That's something that people are becoming used to in their daily lives and will begin mm-hmm. to demand from from their sort of business systems as well. So when finance executives really start to see the power of that and to hear demand for that coming from the business, I think that's really going to start to get their attention. Great point. So that's another pressure on them to move forward. I'm looking at your talking points, and you said sales and operations decision makers are moving at the speed of business because they have to stay ahead of the market changes. They have to stay ahead of the competition. They have to stay ahead of everything. They can't afford to lag, and they don't want finance to pull them back or pull them down. John Steele, agree with all of that? Any challenges to the premise? No, I was I was thinking because, it, you know, Bonnie, it, it really is, it's, and this has been said a few other times, but I'd like to requote it here. Mm-hmm. It's the end of "I'll get back to you." Ah. So in, in memory, <laughs> makes it the you know makes it possible for companies to react in real time. And you asked about the event-driven enterprise, and we didn't really get to it in the last question. But go ahead. That's truly what we're moving towards. Is where if everything is connected in effectively in real time in an organization, then. With each event, an organization can adapt to business conditions. And I think finance will play an important role in understanding with the organization what those adaptations should be. Because there's a, as, as Birgit was talking about, you know, the information in our, in our daily lives, there's a temptation to get too embedded in that information or it's information overload. Like there are plenty of people um, even in my f- extended family who cannot seem to get off of Facebook or stop, you know, their Twitter accounts. So there has to be a balance between that, that event-driven enterprise and the business value that you can derive from that information. So I, I do think it's true that business leaders will continue to place increasing demands on finance that finance will be able to satisfy. But I think finance has a very important role in saying you know, or asking the question, why? What, why would you use that information? Or, or maybe you should look at uh, 
look at our customers this way or should you look at our suppliers another way? So it's not just answering the request, it's really being that catalyst. Thank you very much. Birgit, thoughts on what we've been covering the past couple of minutes with Selena and John? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I want to pick up on something that Selena was saying about being able to uh, see the result of, of something that you're thinking about and then being able to structure that next question. Uh, I think that's really key with in-memory technology. You don't have to have this pre-built yeah, because previously you had this data, you had these summary tables, and you had to pretty much pre-build what your analysis path is going to look like. And then if you come across something that you weren't expecting, then all of a sudden you have to go back and get something else pre-built. But with, with in-memory, something that you see might trigger an understanding, and then you can go back and immediately say, well, now I want to look at this in a whole different way. And that enables you to do that because you don't have to pre-define all of these different analysis paths. Different people look at information in different ways, and they have different ways of thinking about it. And I think from an IT perspective, you can't anticipate all of those different paths. So with in-memory technology, by having all this information available, you allow people to naturally take that next step in terms of how they think about a problem and how they want to solve it. So that, that also allows people to you know, personalize things more, being able to really have the system act the way that they want to to help them in the way that they think about solving an issue. Thank you, Birgit. And I want to, we're going to go to break in about two and a half minutes, but I want to bring up one more point I don't think we covered. You talk about finance having more ownership over the processes and the data, but a key point in your notes, Birgit, is that they no longer have to rely on IT. Is that true? To a point, obviously a system has to be installed and things have to be put in place. I think where, where the biggest difference is is in that whole analytics piece because it used to be that you know, somebody might have a report and three different managers might want to see different fields, maybe in different sort order, things like that. And so there's a lot of, there was a lot of time spent in IT accommodating really pretty minor changes in some of these reports so they wouldn't be able to get to some of the new things that they really needed to do in order to add more value to the company. So I think finance definitely has more ownership, and as those modeling tools become more user-friendly, really, finance can start to model their own ideas instead of having that whole back and forth with IT. Well, I want to look at it this way, and IT does something and comes back with with a proposal. Um, So by giving finance more ownership, at least making it very easy to do some of that modeling and and including and excluding fields, that makes it easier for finance to actually have more control of the process and be able to get to that information faster. I'm sure that will add to the excitement. Selena, do you observe CFOs getting excited about having more direct control and, and not having such reliance on IT? Is this something that comes up in your surveys at CFO Research, perhaps? Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, it is a human desire to interact with technology in a certain way. I think that you know, Steve Jobs described the sort of power of technology as acting as a kind of bicycle for the mind um, or a mm. bicycle for human beings. If you think about the way that technology can extend human capabilities, the same way that a bicycle extends our ability to be mobile, um, technology can expand our ability to think and ex- extend our human ability to think and consider, which touches back on something Birgit mentioned earlier, which is, you know, these technologies are not a substitute for human beings. They are mm-hmm. a way to extend and strengthen that capability. And what we were just talking about is part of that. Having that kind of control, having that ability to take the technology and use it um, to extend those sorts of innate, pursuing those sorts of um, interesting models, queries, 
questions that come up in the course of our thinking and our decision-making as human beings, that is a very, very compelling idea to finance professionals. Great point. I think Birgit brought that up early on when I said, whew, now they know that their jobs aren't being eliminated. John, I'm going to give you uh, last dibs on wrapping up this conversation. We're going to go to break in just about one minute. So thoughts on the, the humanistic side and not having to rely solely on IT for modeling? What are your thoughts? Uh, I think I think it's uh, it has really great potential because, you know, having worked uh, both in IT and in finance over the years, uh, I think it gives the opportunity for each of the uh, areas to focus where they've got their core competency. So IT still has an incredibly vital role to play in terms of uh, putting the architecture in place and putting some guardrails around, you know, what the finance users can do. But then finance can actually drill into the information and understand where those emerging trends are. You know, I, I really think it can it could do something that would uh, help push both organizations uh, to a better place. Thank you very much. Good wrap-up. Okay, you have all earned a break. I'm going to give you about 90 seconds. Don't go too far away because what I'd like you to do on the break, John, Selena, and Birgit, is go out and find the crystal ball. Is it in the attic? Is it in the trunk of the car? Is it in the back of the boat? Is it in the basement? I don't care where you put it. Polish it off and come back and tell me, can you project, predict up to the year, let's say arbitrarily 2020 or whatever year you love, whatever year you can see in the crystal ball, how far will finance organizations have progressed in the next few years in terms of understanding the need for speed, the need for analytics, the need for grasping big data, the need to become a valued strategic advisor to the business. It's a big question. I'm going to give you each about two minutes to tell us your predictions when we come back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back after the break. Don't go away. Crystal Ball's coming up. Michael out. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time for the predictions round, and we're going to give our guests two minutes apiece to tell us what you see coming. So let's start off with Selena Rogers, VP and Editorial Director for CFO Publishing. Selena, what year can you see? How clearly can you see? Is 2020 good for you, or you want to change the year in the crystal ball? 
20. Although, oh, okay. when I think back to 1992, and as John points <laughs> out, the fact that Excel was new then, the revolution represented by spreadsheet technology putting powerful programming and analytical tools in the hands of individuals and finance professionals, that was so extraordinary. To, so to think forward to 2020 mm-hmm. um, is, is quite a stretch. And when I think about that, I think that, you know, Overall, within finance, in 2020, accounting will increasingly become focused, not just in theory, but in practice, on generating information and reporting on operational realities that will provide a really strong basis for a kind of forward-looking, strategic-level business decision-making at the very core of the business. So rather than reporting on historical performance, that'll that will only be part of the language of finance and the language of the finance function. And that's going to be driven by the pace of technological innovation, which is, I imagine, only going to accelerate. The question that I think is open and that we are documenting and paying a lot of attention to at CFO is whether the pace of innovation in finance operations and in the way that finance relates to, supports, and leads their organizations will also accelerate at the same time. We at CFO Magazine are certainly devoted to supporting that path for our finance audience. Thank you so much, Selena. Great insights and appreciate your being here. I'll do my formal thank you in a couple minutes. John Steele, Principal with Deloitte Consulting, LLP. What do you see? The future is now. Well, now is the time to tell me about the future. What year would you like to talk about, John Steele? Why, why don't we bring it in a little more narrowly to say like 2018 and okay. and talk about uh, the changes that the finance organization will undergo between now and then. Uh, I do think you'll start seeing the end of I'll get back to you. And as a result of that, the finance organization will have to adapt and understand how to use analytics in a daily operating mode. The other thing that I would see by 2018 is, uh, and I think Selena started to touch on this, is that the the predictive capabilities embedded in the <clears throat> in the enterprise software will allow finance organizations to start charting the course more effectively about where things are going, as opposed to uh, you know where they've been. Uh, I think you'll see CFOs a lot more engaged in that uh, catalyst quadrant that uh, that we've talked about on the show today. Mm-hmm. And overall, maybe just a few more people uh, as happy finance uh, individuals. Happy finance individuals sounds like a good goal. And I'm going to ask a bonus question if we have time. And so remember that one. Birgit Starman, Senior Director in Marketing at SAP for Finance Solutions. How far out does the crystal ball show you a clear blue sky, hopefully, Birgit? Well, let's go to 2020 as well. I, I would see that the speed of change is going to be faster because we were talking about, okay, 1992, people were just starting to use spreadsheets, especially Excel. Um, and I'm still seeing that in a lot of the interfaces that are in various systems, there's a default going back to Excel. But I feel like that's going to be changing a lot faster. I don't think we're going to be taking 
uh, 10 plus years to get to that point where that's no longer necessary and the expectation of having more visual information that, that is interactive, you know, whether it's a map or whether it's you know, just some kind of a graphical representation, still with the ability to get down to, to more details, but being able to visualize things not just in a row and column spreadsheet type of, type of format. So I think we're going to get more creative with that. And then also I, I would completely agree that there's emerging of finance with the operational aspect, really looking at that big picture, because you really can't become a more strategic advisor if you don't have that operational and sales and marketing inside of what's going on with the company. Um, and being able to look at those factors, and even though it hasn't been a trend so far, I would say as, as the last point is that finance will start to become more social and collaborative, um, because looking at even things like social sentiment, that can impact the goodwill on the bottom line of whether or not customers trust the company. So even though I'm not saying finance is going to start tweeting or, or collaborating so much on, on the numbers, but being able to look at some of that social sentiment and how that could affect the value of the company in the, in the eyes of both vendors and customers. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that coming up. Very interesting prediction, Birgit. I think we need to do a show on social sentiment and finance. I you think we can find enough people to talk about it for an hour? Or we would that make be it happen. <laughs> We'll make it happen. Talk to your colleagues about another show. Uh, my question for the panel, and this is a, um, a quick one-sentence answer. Start with Selena. Do you think that more millennials, the millennials, will start to find interest in finance as a career if they see the transformation of the role from just the, the pushing and the green eye shade? I don't know how long ago that was to the excitement of in-memory and the excitement of being strategic. Uh, Selena, one, one, one sentence answer, yes, no. Oh, yes. As technology advances, I think we will certainly see millennials becoming more interested in seeing finance as really central to the business. Wonderful. John Steele, thoughts? No, no doubt, no doubt. I, I've actually seen the demand for finance talent continue to increase as opposed to decrease. So with these changes, I think it'll be much more attractive, and there's certainly a demand there. Thank you. And Birgit? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, definitely see it going down that path. I would say if people entering the workforce right now have certain expectations. People who are already there, they might need some training uh, to in order to learn some of these new ways of doing things. But I think everyone is excited about the, the opportunity to not just do an administrative task, but really have an impact on an organization's future. Thank you very much. Guess what? It's time for me to predict, and I can make it easy. Tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, Coffee Break with Game Changers. And guess what? 3 p.m. tomorrow Eastern, I'm debuting a brand-new series called The Customer Edge with Game Changers. If that's not exciting enough, the following week on Wednesday, we'll preview a, preview a new series called The Internet of Things with Game Changers. Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, we begin Season 2 of The Future of Business with Game Changers. And the following week, in the same time slot, we start Innovating Innovation with Game Changers next Monday. We're back with HR Trends with Game Changers, and Tuesday we'll be right back here with another live edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Thank you, Selena Rogers, so much. John Steele, thank you. Birgit Starmans, thank you. You were a wonderful, great conversation. I enjoyed myself and learned a lot. Thank you to our series sponsors. We have Aaron Hughes and Birgit and Chris Grundy, and Henrik Schliebs is on with us. And Brad, we send a shout-out to Brad, our usual engineer in the hospital. We hope you're breathing better. And Michael, you're doing a wonderful job. Delighted to work with you on the business. Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye bye. <laughs>
Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. We'll be right back.